Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Johnny Dollar. George Reed here. Well, George, how's Floyd's in London? And how are you holding up in this hot weather? Johnny, all I can say is I wish I could make a trip to France at somebody else's expense. Now, what's that supposed to mean? I just received a transatlantic telephone call, collect, by the way, from that underworld friend of yours in Paris. To my sack. Louis de Marsac. Yes. Calls himself Le Chagri. That's right, the gray cat. Why he ever chose to call himself that? I... Because at night all cats are gray. So he's hard to see in the dark. Well, free so... enough yourself. Paris after dark. And de Marsac knows more about the dark alleys and sewers and back streets. But what did he call you about, George? He wants to talk to you about the only diamond. The what? Three quarters of a million dollars worth of diamonds and necklaces. It was stolen from the Earl of Olney during a recent visit to the United States. The Chagri has a lead on him? He wouldn't say, but if he has, you can get them back. Well, believe me, we shan't quibble over your expense account. Including whatever may be necessary to grease the palm of de Massac? His information usually comes pretty high, you know. I understand that. And uh, a bit of an allowance, shall we say, for my own entertainment while I'm there? Well, now, don't go overboard, Johnny. George, I'll be in touch. <laughs> CBS Radio brings you Bob Bailey in the exciting adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. (laughs) Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar. The Floyds of London, North American office, Hartford, Connecticut. Following is an account of expenses incurred during my investigation of the night in Paris matter. Expense account item one, $12 even for a call to Paris, France. To a man I wouldn't trust any further than you could throw the loup, Louis de Massac. How we, we, Monsieur Dollar. This is your oldest, your dearest friend, the Chagri. Oldest and dearest friend, huh? One of the crookedest, chiselingest connivers I ever met. Oh, but no. George Reed says you have some information about the only diamond, which means you've got your hand out, as usual. Oh, believe me, one of me. I only told him that I wished to speak to you about something. You didn't hint around about those diamonds? Mm-hmm. Well, perhaps I did make some very slight reference about them. Yeah. When he objected to my phoning him, what you call collect. You know where those diamonds are, Demasek? Well... Okay, how much do you want this time? Monsieur, you, you are speaking of money? What else? <laughs> you hurt me. You touched me to the quick. Oh, sure. How much? One, one 
might think that I slave and suffer and risk my life on your behalf only for money. How much, Damasek? <laughs> Say, $10,000 American. Yeah, well, it was nice to talk to you. See you around sometime. No, 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 no. Wait, wait. The only diamonds are worth millions. Millions of francs, not dollars. But if I could tell you where you may find them... In that case, I might be willing to part with, say, a uh, thousand, maybe fifteen hundred. Five thousand. If I actually get my hands on them, I'll give you two. Four. Three thousand. That's final. Thirty-five hundred. Goodbye, Namasak. No, uh, twenty-five hundred. I said I. Huh? Two thousand. Two. Okay, two thousand bucks. Yeah. Then, oh, then I think I would. What you say? Crossed myself up. Yeah, I'm sure you did. <laughs> but do not worry, money me. Do not worry. I will do the same for you. Yeah, I'm sure you will. <laughs> now listen, if I take a plane out of New York a little after nine tonight, I should get there tomorrow at five forty-five p.m. Paris time. Maybe. I'll hang my hat at the Hotel of Bois. You know where that is? But of course. Then I'll pick you up at that hovel of yours at the end of the uh, the uh... Rue de Pont de Yeah, the Rue de Pont de <laughs> And you will bring the money for me. I'll be there. Expense account item two, $1,000 worth of American Express Traveler's Checks. 428 of it went for plane fare, Hartford to New York to Paris. The flight was uneventful, except for the person who occupied the seat next to me. Annette was her name, Annette Dubon. And brother, well, she's 25 or 6, I guess. Tall, brunette, and beautiful. Apparently has money of her own. I decided this trip to Paris wasn't a bad idea at all. Johnny Dollar? Yeah. Oh, I know who you are. You're the insurance investigator I hear about all the time on the radio. Well, don't look so shocked about it. Shocked? I'm thrilled. Tell me all about you. Oh, I'd a lot rather talk about you. Plan to be in Paris long? Oh, a couple of weeks, I guess. Just sort of a vacation. I'm all alone, so I don't have any definite plans. Ah. Have you, Johnny? I have now. <laughs> you certainly don't beat around the bush, do you? You know something? I like that. Well, good, good. Now, where will you be staying? The Joyce Sang. All right, then as soon as I get things cleared away, I'll call you. Are you over here to work on some kind of a case? Um, no, just to see an old friend of mine. You by any chance staying at the Georgetown? The Lavoie. It's over on. I know where it is. And as soon as you're free, you'll call me, too. Are you kidding? What about that time the stewardess, bless her heart, came around with a champagne? So, what with one thing and another, the time passed quickly. Then, at exactly 5.45 p.m. Paris time, we landed at Orly. Item 3, 5.20, American, for a taxi to my hotel, after dropping Annette off along the way. I shaved and showered, then took another cab to the dingy little apartment of Louis de Massac at the far end of the Rue de Pas de la Moule. You ask me, it's one of the most disreputable-looking apartments in the whole city. Dirty, squalid, ramshackle. And, of course, Le Chagri had to live at the top of four long flights of stairs. When I finally got up there, feeling slightly wounded, I noticed that his door at the end of the gaslit hallway was standing wide open. What? De Massac. Louis! Louis de Marsac! Hold! Oh. 
The dingy, dark apartment of Louis de Massac looked like a tornado had struck it. It was a shambles, as though somebody had come in and simply done as much damage as possible, and yet at the same time was looking for something or someone. As for de Massac, there was no sign of him anywhere. I stood there for a moment, wondering, wondering what to do next. Huh? Oh, do you mind telling me what under the sun happened to this joint of yours? Listen, please. You have turned on the light? No, but there's enough light coming up in the street. Yeah, yeah. Now, now you must get out of there. Oh? Yes, come quickly and meet me here. Now, please, you will do that? Well, where are you? You, you are alone? Yes, yes, I'm alone. Then you must leave before somebody finds you there. Like who? There is no time to talk when you meet. Come, please, and meet me here. But where? I'm at the cafe, Chez Macabre. Chez Macabre. Yes, it's in saint germain de Puy. What you call beatnik. Okay, I'll find it. Do not delay now. You may be in danger. Yeah, sure, sure. I'll grab a taxi. Huh? Who are you? Uh, Au revoir, cochon. Oh, no, you don't. Monsieur. No. Hello. Hello. Uh, C'est bien. Big. When I came to, I found myself propped up in the remains of a chair. A bottle of cognac and a glass had been placed on a table beside me. I helped myself. And next to it, a piece of paper. Scribbled on it with the words, Je regret. I'm sorry. Don't believe me, if I ever catch up with him, he's going to be a lot sorrier. Another snort of cognac, and I felt able to navigate. I went downstairs, grabbed a taxi, that's item four, a couple of bucks, and had him take me to the place to my sack and mention over the phone, the Shea Macabre. And what a joint. I've seen a few beatnik pads that were pretty crazy back in the States. But nothing to compare with this. It was a smoky, dark, and dirty place. The beatniks packed into it were dirty, too. Characters were made of business of being characters, including a gaunt chick chanting some poetry in a corner. Then a wormy little man sidled up to my table out of the shadows and proceeded to help himself to my drink. Yeah, it was de Marsac, the Chagri. Uh, you do not, do not seem to know me at first, one of me. Even when you come over and help yourself to my cognac? In this place, it is the custom. But what happened to you when you hang up the telephone on me? Well, somebody sneaked in and worked me over to my sock. Any idea who it might have been? No. I hope he did not hurt you too badly. Well, he did all right. But why? Now, why the crazy note he left saying he was sorry? But of course, monsieur. But of course what? Well, he must have thought you were me. Oh? Me? Because of a little deal on the statue that I made a week ago. In, in my business with some of the terrible people I have to deal with, this sort of thing happens all the time. I'll bet. But then, when, when this man, he discovered he had made a mistake, that you were not me, I... Oh, sure. What can you, the American, know of the art, the poetry of today? Huh? Now, what brought that on? Yeah. I will translate for you, then, my lovely, my beautiful ode to nothing. Ode oh, to nothing? Listen to my every magnificent word. Oh, now, wait a minute. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Huh? Nothing. Nothing, nothing. Oh, now, look for... The Marsac, come on down to work. Wait, 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 wait. It is all right now. Huh? All right? What do you mean? It was for the benefit of the man who came by the table, who looked at us. Oh, yeah, I noticed him. He was very curious about us, like a spy. A spy? Yes, of course. He may have been from my dear friend, Monsieur Francois Dubesson. Wait a minute. Francois Dubesson. Isn't he the fence who got hold of that painting that was stolen from Vincent Price a while back? Yes, I helped you to recover for a slight fee. 
And it was through him that you located the blue Madonna that was taken from the gallery in Philadelphia. They read the scene. And now it is Dubesson who, who has the only diamonds. You're sure of that? I am sure. Also, it was Dubesson who arranged to have them stolen back in your United States. Your good friend, huh? But of course. But you're perfectly willing to double-cross him. Why? Because you will pay me so well. If I get my hands on the time. Oh, I have it all arranged. So, if you would like to pay me now, the, the $5,000 American... When I get my hands on him. And it's only 2000 remember? <laughs> I cheated myself. Okay, now, how do I get them? I have told him that you are here, that you are very rich, that you will pay him 15 million francs. 15? Well, that's close to $30,000. It is better that we may lost you, all right. Well, I find him this Francois Dubasson. He will come to you. With the diamonds? Yes. At your hotel. Tonight at midnight. He knows my name? Well, I've told him that you are Mr. Robert Matthews from Texas. Yeah, yeah, good. Then I'll have to take another room under that name. But, of course. And you're sure he doesn't know who I really am? My business? No, 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 because only I could tell him that. All right, now look, Dumasak. If you have any idea, double-crossing me. You? Oh, my oldest, my dearest. <laughs> And yet, if you were to find out about 3,000... Okay, Damasak. If it all goes off without a hitch. But if it doesn't... <laughs> Have no fear, mon ami. Sure, it was a kind of shady deal to make. To have to make. But under the circumstances, what else? And people simply don't realize how most of the crimes in this world are solved. Not by Sherlock Holmes type of detective work, not by the kind of stuff you read in the mystery magazines, but through informants. And one way or another, they all have to be paid off. Otherwise, well, look at this case. If Dubasson were to know who I really am, I'd stand a chance of not only losing the case, but my life as well. On the way back to my hotel, I began to wonder again about the man who had attacked me there at the Massac's apartment who'd apparently been there before, looking for someone, or for me. Did he really think I was de Marsac? Or was it all just a warning to leave this case alone? There was only one way to find out. Back in my hotel, I arranged for another room under the name of Robert Matthews from Texas, USA. It was the room adjoining my own with a connecting door. In it, using my best Texas drawl, I'd meet Francois Dubasson when he came at midnight with the only diamonds. Fifteen million francs, the massacre told him. Little enough for a necklace worth three quarters of a million. But I've never yet paid a thief for the return of stolen goods, and I had no intention of doing so this time. I settled down to wait for midnight. And then I suddenly realized why I'd felt only half-dressed ever since I was attacked over in Dumasak's apartment. Sure, my gun was missing. Without it, and if Dubasson was wise to me was the phone in the other room, the one where I'd act out the part of the rich Texan, if there was any point in it. Hello. Monsieur Matthews? Yep. My name is Duvasson. Francois Duvasson. Say, I've been waiting to hear from you. You are alone, monsieur. Don't think I'd let anybody else in on our little deal, do you? I hope not. I can be there in five minutes. Yeah, any time you say. I'm just laying here in bed reading to myself. Necessary money with you in cash. Just finished taking it out of the hotel safe. Monsieur Matthews, if we are able to make what you call uh, a deal. Sure, we can, man. Oui, but I must inform you I will come to your room prepared for any uh, 
shall we say, exigency. Hmm. Now what's that? The gun I carry. It has a silencer. Five minutes. I'll be here. I suddenly had an idea that might, that might possibly work. Out of a small rug, a pair of shoes, and a couple of other things, I fashioned a dummy, laid it carefully in the bed in the other room, after making sure the head of that bed was toward the door. I piled up a couple of pillows so that even if there really been someone in it, only the outline under the covers would be visible. I left a cigarette burning in an ashtray, propped up a magazine. From the doorway, then, it looked like someone lying there, reading and smoking. I hoped. I unscrewed a light bulb, then stood behind the slightly open adjoining door. Come in, man. Come in. You were very foolish, Monsieur Dollar, to say you obtained the money from the hotel safe. The night clerk has informed me otherwise. Also, he confessed it was you who took both of these rooms. Well, have you anything to say? I told you Dollar was here because of the jewels, Francois. Annette. Oui, my shepherd. So, Annette, you may dispose of him once and for all. Close the door. No. Look, there's a dummy in that bed. The seller has no gun now. And if he's here, Francois... Take care, my shepherd. Don't worry. First, we try that other room. I nudged open the adjoining door, and with everything I had, I pitched the light bulb across the room at the far wall. No, he's in here! Then I dove in low at the first of them I could reach. Annette! Annette! A bad mistake, Johnny. Because I have the gun. Yeah. I suppose I should have known, Annette. Your last mistake. Because with a silencer, nobody will ever know. Oh, I'm sorry, mademoiselle. Ah! Oh, dear. Oh, thanks, Tomasak. Like the U.S. Marine. But such a pity, monsieur. Huh? That I should stoop so low as to strike a beautiful woman. Of course, the fact that it saved my life. Five thousand. Sure. Five thousand. Of course, there'll be some fancy international legal procedure necessary, but I'm sure the company can arrange for return of the necklace to the United States. As for Dubasson and the lovely but treacherous Annette, well, the Paris police are making the arrangements for them, and I'm sure they won't be very pleasant ones. Expense account total, including a couple of nights on the town, 5000 for Dumasac and Deluxe Transportation Back Home, $5,878 even. Wow. Oh, incidentally, I met a luscious little blonde on that return trip who was... She... Now, let's not go into that. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. to tell you about next week's story. Next week, a foggy night on the Embarcadero in San Francisco. In the shadows, a killer. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, originates in Hollywood and is written, produced, and directed by Jack Johnstone. Heard in our cast were Virginia Gregg, Forrest Lewis, G. Stanley Jones, Tony Barrett, Bill James, and Gus Bay. Be sure to join us next week, same time and station, for another exciting story of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. 
Johnny Dollar. Monsieur Dollar, you will be amazed. You will be thrilled. Yeah, well, I think I've had all the thrills I need here in Paris. And who are you? I, monsieur, am the night clerk here in the hotel. Oh, well, what's all the excitement about? Monsieur Dollar, I have the telephone call for you. And monsieur? Yeah. It is wonderful. It is the long distance. It is the transatlantic. A transatlantic call. From the, what you call the United States. Well, bully for you. But across the ocean. It must be the most important. Yeah, well, put them on and we'll see. Oui, monsieur. Hello. Johnny? That's right. George Reed here. Well, George. All right, clerk, you can get off the line now. What, Johnny? You hear me? Clerk? Oh, monsieur. Go on, hang up. Very well, monsieur. Now, George, you get my cable report on the only jewels? Yes, you did a great job in spite of all the money you threw around. I mean, what you gave that man to Marsac. But listen, I'm glad I caught you before you left. I'm flying on back tonight. See you in Hartford in the no. morning. What? Contact Mr. Maurice Rigaud there at our Paris office. Oh, what about? Getting those jewels back to America? No, that's all taken care of. But in talking with him a minute ago, I happened to mention that you're there, so uh, he wants you to stay around and see if you can help locate a Cellini medallion. Cellini? A famous Italian artist? Yes. Well, the medallion was stolen from the galleries of the Louvre two or three weeks ago. Priceless. So it has to be found and returned to them. Well, I'll do what I can, George. Good. I'll contact this man, Rigaud, at our office there immediately. Contact Rigaud, huh? That's right. But why do you say it that way? Because maybe I won't bother him. George, maybe I've got a better idea. CBS Radio brings you Bob Bailey in the intriguing adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Floyd's of England, North American office. Or maybe it's the Paris office. We'll see. Following is an account of expenses incurred during my investigation of the Embarcadero matter. Expense account item one, a few francs. Call it 10 cents American for a telephone call. Not to Rigaud at Floyd's of England, but to my old underworld contact, Louis de Massac. A strange little character who calls himself the Great Cat. Oui, oui, Monsieur Dollar. C'est la Chagrie. You, you most loyal, most faithful friend. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Are you living it up on that money I gave you for locating the only jewels for me? Oh, alas, Monsieur, I have been most unfortunate. Only one small, uh, what you call, investment. And now... <laughs> easy come, easy go, huh? Oui, the 5,000 is gone. And I was so sure of this one. <laughs> what kind of an investment, Demarsac? Well, even even you would have been attracted. Oh, she was young. She was so beautiful. She? Oh no. Oh, that Marcel, Marcel. How could how could such a lovely vision deceive me so? Oh, I'm crushed, a man without hope. And and Monsieur. Yeah. I'm also very what you call broke. Uh huh. Uh, think a hundred dollars might help to raise your spirits? Five hundred dollars? Oh, my oui, monsieur. But, but for what? One hundred. For some information. 
about what happened to the Cellini medallion. Ah, we oui. stolen from the Louvre. Oh, you know about it then? But of course. You know where it is? No, no. Uh, but but for you, I enemy, mean, I will somehow find out. Good. But it it may be dangerous, Monsieur. The people I will have to see, the cutthroats I will have to pay for the information. But uh, for you and the four hundred dollars you have promised me. Okay, okay, a hundred and fifty. Want to call me when you've got the dope for me? No. If I bring the information to you, I can then collect for it right away. Oh, uh, two hundred? I'll wait to hear from you. Okay, now, George, don't flip your lid over some more money for Dumasac. After all, he knows more about what goes on in the Paris underworld than any other man alive. And if in a day or two he can come up with the information I need, I'll put it this way. He saved the company a lot of time and money in the past, and I'm sure he can do it again. Also, if his poking around is as dangerous as he seems to... Hey, yeah? Well, come in, come in. To my side. Oh, oui, monsieur. Je suis Oh, the dangerous mission you sent me on is a fait accompli. But I only talked to you on the phone about an hour ago. I've wasted no time. You... You have the three hundred dollars for me. One fifty. You have the information. Oui, the Cellini medallion. Well, well, it's on the way to your own country. On the way. How? Hidden away in the case of wine aboard the ship, the Klemper Hall, out of La Hall. The Klemper Hall, huh? Destination? San Francisco. Now, when's it due to arrive there? Late tomorrow night. The cargo is many cases of wine. Yes, bottles of wine. The medallion is hidden away in one of them. You're sure of all this, Demarsak? But of course, one of me. Because if I fly all the way to San Francisco and find out you're giving me a wrong steer. Oh, no, no. How can you, my oldest, my dearest? Yeah, sure. Now, this means that someone over there is going to have to pick it up. Oui, at the warehouse at the pier. And Monsieur Frank Gristel. Gristel? You know? If he's the one I'm thinking of. A fence who used to operate in New York, but they can never pin anything on him? He must be the same. But in the shipload of wine, how will he know which case has the Cellini medallion in it? Ah, by this, by this mark, Monimi. Yeah. So. A tiny circle, yeah? Ah, with a Maltese cross in it. Oui, like so. Okay, to Marsac. I better pack up and catch a plane back to the States. Monimi. Huh? Ah. Oh, yeah, sure. Here you are. Fifty, a hundred, hundred and fifty. Oh, Monsieur, such a dangerous... Such okay, a, such okay. A... 170, 90, 200. Ah, oh, merci. Merci beaucoup. Bon voyage. Oh, success. Wait a minute. Eh? You dug up an awful lot of information in a very short time, de Marsac. Even about that mark on the case of wine. Oh, but of course, monsieur. You see, I, I put it there myself. You what? Oui. When I helped my friends to smuggle the medallion aboard the ship... Expense account item two is the couple of hundred bucks to Dumasac for the information about the stolen Cellini medallion. Item three, $92 American for my hotel there in Paris and then the taxi out to Orly. Item four, $5.99 even, plane fare, Paris to New York to San Francisco and a taxi to my favorite hotel, the Huntington, up on Knob Hill. A pea soup fog had settled over the city and the driver had to practically feel his way the last couple of blocks. By the time I cleaned up and changed my clothes, it was late and I was hungry. And after the long plane trip, I was glad for a chance to walk. 
over to the Fleur de Lis on Sutter Street. Cocktails and a rare good dinner ran up item five, $11 even. Then I started back to the Huntington, again on foot. I say I started. It was late, remember, and dark. Not many people on the streets. And suddenly I was conscious of someone behind me, slowly catching up with me. In the fog, he was only a shadow. But I was sure he was following me. I slipped out my gun under my coat and slowed my pace. All right, brother, what? Huh? Yeah. Hi, Johnny. Smokey Sullivan. Yeah. Well, what under the... How are you, Smokey? I thought that was you coming out of that floor de lis. Uh, uh, hadn't you better put that back in your coat, huh? Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> hey, listen, you're just a man I want to see. Yeah? Yeah. And if you can dig up some information for me about somebody, I'll make it worth your while. You're real good to me, Johnny. I'll do anything I can. And listen. Yeah? I don't know why you're out here this time, and maybe this ain't got nothing to do with it. What's that, Smokey? I've been hanging around the docks the last couple of days down to the Embarcadero. Doing a little honest work for a change? Yeah. I'm real clean now, Johnny. I've been going straight. That's the stuff. But I know how to keep my eyes open. You know what's going on down there? What? Smuggling, Johnny. There's a lot of smuggling all the time. You know what I mean? Keep talking, Smokey. Yeah. Well, most of it comes in from Japan and China, places like that. It's the boys on the boats bringing stuff in. Ah, well, what I'm interested in... Narcotics, Johnny. Mostly heroin, stuff like that. Yeah, well, now, Smokey, when you get any info about that kind of stuff coming in, you tip off the Treasury boys, the Narcotics Division. Me, Johnny? Me go to the cops? You mean because of your past record? Yeah, they wouldn't believe me, Johnny. That's the trouble with going legit. I mean, the kind of guy I was. Don't ever kid yourself. I don't want to lecture you, Smokey, but believe me, it's the best way in the world for you to make up for some of the things you've done in the past. Look what you've done in helping me. Yeah, I know. And it was you got me going straight. But don't you see, if anybody was to find out that I was informed... Don't worry. The Treasury boys will never talk. Okay, Johnny. Now, the man I'm interested in... But now, like I was going to tell you... Smokey, listen. Like I I said... Most of this stuff is from the Orient. But down there to the docks, a couple of nights running now. Well, Johnny, you ever hear of Frankie Gerstel? Are you kidding? That's the man I was going to... You mean the one who used to be a fence back in New York? Yeah. Long time ago, I'd done a couple of jobs for him. That was before you know. You've seen Gerstel around here? Down to the Embarcadero. Sure. Waiting for the Klemper Hall to pull in from Europe. The Klemper Hall, Johnny? Yeah. With a cargo of French wine? Yeah, that's it. How do you know? I helped unload her. You what? Yeah, come in ahead of time, early this morning. And I got here too late. Huh? Or maybe I haven't. Come on, let's get on down to the Embarcadero. (laughs) Item six, a buck and a half for a taxi. Pier 93, where the Clamper Hall was berthed, was dark. Except, that is, for a dim light in the office on the street side. Back in the huge warehouse, extending out over the waters of the bay, there wasn't even a glow from a nightlight. Sure funny, Johnny. They're not having some kind of a light in the warehouse. Yeah. We'll find out about that for the watchman there in the office, if we can wake him up. Yeah. Sleeping on a job like that, why, you? Hey, watchman. Watchman, come on, open up. Johnny. Yeah, I see. 
Come on, Smokey, give me a... Here we go, now. All right, wake up, mister. Come on, I said wake up. Yeah, Johnny. He's asleep, all right. For good. Fog shrouded San Francisco and the Embarcadero at night. There in the little office on the shore end of Pier 93, we found the watchman. Found him dead with a bullet in the back of his head. Which meant that in all probability, Frankie Gristel had gotten there before us. Had already taken the Cellini medallion out of its hiding place. Or was it still there, one of the cases of wine stacked up in the warehouse in the long, dark pier? There's only one way to find out. Okay. We better get out of here, Johnny. If the cops come around and find this watchman laying here dead, even with Johnny Dollar to explain Reach up and it. pull off that light, will you? But Johnny, I'm... All right, I'm... here, I'll do it. But, look, don't you see, if the cops come around, they see this office dark... Yeah, yeah, we got a chance at it. Now, if this watchman had a flashlight on him... Yeah, in the side pocket of his coat. Side pocket, yeah. Yeah, here it is. What are you going to do, Johnny? I'm going back into that warehouse. But, Johnny, don't you see? If you put on the lights back That's there... That's why I've got this flashlight. I've got to locate a case of wine in there with a peculiar mark on it. Something else in that case? A priceless medallion that was stolen from the Louvre. It was smuggled in so Gastel could pick it up. But if he's already been in here and taken it... Well, i got to make sure. Now, you wait right here. Johnny, if a prowl car comes down the street... Okay, shove the watchman's body under the desk. Turn the light on again and sit there in that chair with your hat pulled down over your face. If a prowl car comes along, wave to it. Whatever you say, Johnny. If anybody else comes along, tries to get in here, yell bloody murder and get out the best way you can. I'm going back in the warehouse. And don't switch on the lights in there. But be, be careful, Johnny. Yeah. The light in the office, when Smokey turned it on again, made only a thin yellow line beneath the sliding door. It showed me nothing. It seemed only to accentuate the gloomy darkness of the huge warehouse. Cautiously, I felt my way to a pile of crates, stuck my head around the corner of it, and flicked on the flashlight for a moment to get the lay of the land. Bales, crates, packing boxes, and barrels filled the place. The cargo of the Klemper Hall. And there at the far end were the cases of wine I was looking for, hundreds of them. After mentally plotting a course through the mass of shipping, I turned off the flashlight and worked my way back to them in the darkness. Finally reached them. Yeah, when I tilted one of them, it gurgled slightly. I was about to flick on the light again when I realized that if Frankie had come here, if he'd killed the guard but hadn't left, yet somehow I had to find the case with the identifying mark on it. I put on the light again. And there in front of me was a case that someone had pried open. The cinch bar was lying beside it. On one corner was the mark that... Someone. I heard someone else in there. Behind me. Behind one of the packing cases I'd felt my way around in the dark. I heard him again. So I picked up the cinch bar. And I waited. Then... Holy... At least... At least I'd seen the flash of the gun. But again, I waited. Give up, Dollar. I've been here over an hour. I can see in here, but you can't. No. Well, I can see the flash of the gun. 
Keep on talking, Frankie. What? What'd you say? Dollar. The cinch bar. All right, here, Frankie. Now, that's a stupid trick. Too close. No, no, wait a... Hey, your last shot, wasn't it, Frankie? Yeah. Hey, Smokey. Okay, Smokey, come out here in the warehouse. Turn on the lights and we'll... Didn't figure I had two guns, did you, Dolly? But you haven't. Not now. You're through. And by the time you can reload... Yeah, Smokey, put on the lights. I can use them now. No, no, Smokey, no. That's right. And leave them on. And, Dollar, I'm going to dig you out from behind those crates and kill you. You hear me, Dollar? You can't get away. Yeah. Because now I see you. So I pull this trigger. <laughs> Smokey. Johnny. Johnny. I took the gun off the dead watch for this. Are you all right, Johnny? Yeah. Are you all right? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure I am. You, you saved my life, Smokey. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, you're welcome, Johnny. But listen, listen, the cops are coming. Yeah, I hear them. Well, then, Johnny... Stop worrying, Smokey. But don't you see... You're on their side now, remember? But if they... Yeah. Yeah, I guess I am. Sure. The Cellini medallion in Frankie's pocket. It was pretty obvious that he'd killed the watchman, taken the medallion out of the wine case and was about to leave when we'd showed up. Smokey's shot had killed him. Had Smokey a bit worried, too, when the police barged in on us. But now, now he's a public hero. Oh, sure, there'll have to be some kind of a hearing on the whole affair. My deposition's already in. But Smokey's really in the clear. As for the couple of hundred bucks I gave him, well, forget it, George. It came out of my own pocket. So, expense account total, including the trip home, $1,174 even. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Now, here is our star to tell you about next week's story. Instead, let me say hi to three new CBS affiliates. They're KAAB in Hot Springs, Arkansas, WRIG in Wausau, Wisconsin, and WOMI in Owensburg, Kentucky. Welcome to CBS Radio. Yours truly, Johnny Deller. Yours truly, Johnny Deller, starring Bob Bailey, originates in Hollywood and is written, produced, and directed by Jack Johnstone. Heard in our cast were Forrest Lewis, Vic Perrin, G. Stanley Jones, Tony Barrett, and Frank Gerstel. Be sure to join us next week, same time and station, for another exciting story of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. This is Dan Coverly speaking. This is the CBS Radio Network. <laughs>